Welcome in. Game week is here. Tyler Donahue is here. Sean Fitz is here. And we're happy to have you with us. It's the Lions 24-7 podcast. We have switched into regular season mode. We're very excited about that. Idaho comes to Beaver Stadium for a 3.30 kickoff on Saturday afternoon. We'll see you out there. Uh, But first, we've got some catching up to do from uh, recent days. Quarterback news, of course, to get to. Another commitment from the state of Florida. We're going to focus on a lot of that and more. And Sean, uh, as we record on a rainy Wednesday afternoon in in State College, uh, the countdown clock is very real. And uh, we've been keeping track since it was at 100 on our site with, with different stuff each day. It was really nice to crank one out on Ricky Slade today because that's number three. Twist your arm on Ricky Slade. He's that group uh, that you love you, you love to write about, and there's plenty to love about that class. Uh, wouldn't be a game week without a midweek uh, rain downpour, I guess, when I look out my window right now. Uh, hopefully the lots will be fine, but knock on wood because obviously last year was an issue. Uh, no, it's, it's great to have football back in Happy Valley. The temperatures are down. We're talking mid-70s. I think 75 and sunny is the last I saw for Saturday, so I'm pretty excited about that. we got a tailgate, so come out and join us. Say hi. Uh, drop by. Do whatever. The uh, details are on the site. But yeah, there's just so much to be excited about. We're going to start at quarterback, but we're not going to talk too much about it. As we mentioned last week, we recorded an, uh, an episode of the podcast about Sean Clifford being named the starter last week. We didn't get to pu- post it because it didn't come out on Tuesday. And that's just the whole other thing. So we're going to tack that on to the end. A lot of the stuff, actually all the stuff, I went through and edited it. Um, it uh, it holds up. So at, at the end, we're going to talk more about Sean Clifford. But as a decision, not a surprise at all. It's what pretty much we've been saying since Tommy Stevens left. We got uh, Clifford number one, Levis number two. We got an or between Michael Johnson Jr. and Taquan Roberson at number three. We'll get to the freshman a little bit later. But yeah, Clifford, your starter. Uh, and nobody's shocked, but we're ready for football. Yeah, and as, as you said, Sean, we got a breakdown on that coming up a little bit later here on the episode. Uh, but, but some fresh notes from that. You know, got a chance to speak with some players since this decision has gone down. And I thought John Reed, who, uh, very analytical mind, uh, it's no surprise, really did a nice job breaking down what he saw from, from Sean Clifford. He just felt like he was anticipating more forced passes uh, on the, and what this defense throws his way. He was very impressed by how composed Sean Clifford was, you know, kind of. And we've talked about it a lot. It has not been an easy preseason camp going up against this Penn State defense. And additionally, there's just a, a tremendous amount of confidence in what Clifford can accomplish. And, and Franklin referencing in his uh, press conference, his week one press conference on Tuesday afternoon that, and, you know, needless to say, uh, experience was a factor here. We've addressed it throughout uh, the fact that Sean Clifford now has five camps under his belt two in the spring three and three in the fall uh, he's got two seasons of working on the varsity practice field you were asking a lot for will levis to make that leap beyond sean clifford coming off the scout team uh but at the end of the day as we'll mention later uh this benefits will levis this benefits the top of your quarterback depth chart and with those two true freshmen as the next men up that was extremely important yeah, and, and I think this was a decision that you could see coming for a while. I'm not sure why it, it, it took so long to happen, but you know those are those are things that really aren't worth talking about now. Clifford's your starter. He's worked his way into that position, and now it's time to get him reps. Now it's time to get going. Um, I know it's it, it's Idaho coming to town, which is a middle to lower tier Big Sky uh, conference team. They're not expected to be all that great. Uh, I think 12 new, new faces on defense coming in. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, the Vandals later in our episode on Friday. 
Friday. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's it's the way to go. It's the way to get going, and you get rolling into your season. You know who your starting quarterback is. You don't know who some of the other starters are. We're going to get to the depth chart in a bit. Um, one other Penn State note this week, of course, the lawsuit coming down um, for James Franklin, Sandy Barber, the athletic program from uh, former team doctor Scott Lynch. He's since been replaced by Wayne Sebastianelli. What does it mean? Um, yeah, Penn Live broke the story this week, of course, with the, the deposition and everything. Uh, I, I see this as a settlement, and I don't think I'm going out on a limb and saying that. I'm not a lawyer. so. But uh, y- you look at the entire argument. He's talking about James Franklin forcing his hand to get these players cleared earlier than they should have been. And there's really been a lot of backlash to that. A lot of former players have stepped up, both from his time at Penn State and at Vanderbilt, taking his back, saying that yeah, this is complete BS. Um where does that line where is that line drawn because i think all coaches want to get guys back as soon as they can but at the same time i mean there's really been it, it, off the top of my head looking at guys that have been hurt and of course franklin's not up front with injuries to the to the media and things like that but just looking at the timelines of when guys have been back you just re, you don't see a pattern of this and looking at the lawsuit seeking $50,000 really isn't that much. I don't see this one coming to court. I don't see this one being uh, a big issue. It's unfortunate, the timing, right before the first game, because it's a a bit of a distraction. But if you look at uh, the evidence out there, Penn State's going to fight this, and and Franklin admitted admitted as much on Tuesday. A lot of support, as you said, not just from Penn State players, but from Vanderbilt players uh, who obviously spent a lot of time with James Franklin, suffered injuries on their own. And as you said, uh, much like across the college football universe, we're not privy to a lot of what's going on in, in the medical room at Penn State. Uh, we oftentimes do not know the injuries that are even going on and what players are dealing with unless they're out there in a boot or a sling or something of that nature. Um, so, so at the end of the day, yeah, the $50,000 thing stuck out. That's not a lot of money in, in this industry, of course, when you're, you're talking you're about back up even more in court costs. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. way more in court costs if you take this thing to trial and you and you determine that this is something worth pursuing. So to me, this is a, a settlement, a guy that thinks he was wronged. And, you know, maybe 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 he was in some sort of way, but he's still employed. He's still uh, do, doing OK for himself. But, uh, yeah, it's just it, it just didn't make a ton of sense. I mean, it, it's a bad look for Franklin. It's a bad look for the university public from an optics situation. But I think if you take a look at that, really nothing laid out in that lawsuit said that Franklin forced it, you know, forced his way and, and got his way with this team doctor. So it's just, uh, it's, it's a lot more, um, I guess, splashed than substance. If you, if you take it from that angle. And just one more note here. This is obviously not restricted to, to state college. This is a, uh, you know, a, a speculation across football, high school level. You've got parents concerned about coaches playing their kids at the NFL level level. They now have the independent neurologist, uh, you know, trying to identify concussion symptoms where, you know, it used to be get the smelling salts out. So football is evolving at large and there's always going to be some skepticism on, on what coaches may or may not be willing to sacrifice in terms of their players uh, to go get the win. Uh, but yeah, we'll find out down the road, but uh, you know, obviously the timing of this was notable because it's game week, but uh, I just, uh, without getting, you know, I, I have no legal background, uh, surprise just as you do, Sean. So I really had nothing more to say on the matter, but I will say, uh, that this is the $50,000 that's involved here. That tells me that, that this is maybe not a huge deal as much as people are making it out to be. Depth chart came out this week. Uh, James Franklin had his first press conference. Uh, Not a ton of surprises, and I'm going to plug my S-Zone from last week because I say not a ton of surprises. may have surprised some people, but the the people on our site that read that and and got uh, sort of got the heads up on what's coming, not really a surprise there. But 
you know, there's there's some notable things to take away from it. Four running backs listed as the starter. Uh, that's interesting. Ricky Slade was mentioned as the starter by James Franklin later on in the press conference, but all four of them are going to play. That's a talented room. We've talked about that before. I think Slade's going to get the first crack at it, followed by Journey Brown. Kane is, they like what they've seen from Kane in live periods so far. He's a guy that moves the sticks and goes forward all the time. And I think, and, and I said this in the episode, I think Devin Ford's the most talented one out of all the four. So uh, that's, it's a good group. It's very different. I think some people try to um, compare it to when Saquon came in. Well, when Saquon came in, it was a little different. He was the best one. There was no doubt whatsoever, uh, no disrespect to, to Akil Lynch or any of those other guys that were here at the time, but Saquon was a special talent. Now you've got four really, really talented guys that are going to fight it out. And it, it might be a situation where the first couple of games, they're feeling out and they're going to go with the hot hand. I tell you what, you don't want to put the ball on the ground if you're one of those four guys because you might not get it back for a while because I think that uh, the way that those uh, as closely grouped as this this group appears to be uh if you put the ball on the ground you're coming out of the game somebody's going to take it and you might not get it back for a while margin for error is is very limited for a lot of these guys we mentioned that when journey brown was suspended during the summer and, and how that could really impact him to his credit he seemed to have bounced back and had a really nice preseason camp uh kept himself in great shape uh, but yeah the, a lot of oars on that depth chart sean and and we've talked about the true freshman noah kane and, and devin ford for a long time and you know Going back to the comparison of maybe to when Barkley arrived in that backfield, it was not the same deal because you've got three guys who were considered top 10 overall running back prospects in this group. And Journey Brown was no slouch, uh, 7,000 rushing yards and Olympic speed uh, at, on the track and field. So I'm it, it's going to be great. I, I'll tell you what, if things go according to plan for Penn State through the first couple of weeks against Buffalo, against Idaho, and, and they get kind of the structure of those games that they're looking for, I wouldn't be surprised if you see three of these guys over 100 rushing yards. Now, that's asking a lot uh, of, of some of the younger players, but I'm telling you, I think if, if you can kind of get to a point where you're you're giving these guys reps and, and, and if the offensive line can kind of set the tone in the second half of these games and you're putting it away and you, you think if you have a huge lead, even though you have inexperienced quarterbacks, you'll be more inclined to run the ball. I think there's a lot there's a lot of possibility for for all four or three of these guys to rack up some significant touches and and we saw Ricky Slade score in his his first game last year against Appalachian State on that I think a 27 yard run. I would not be surprised if Noah Kane or Devin Ford comes out the gates, makes an opening statement. Maybe both of them do. Uh, but, but you know, it's a good problem to have. It's not even a problem. I shouldn't qual- quantify it as that. It's just I think a lot of people are used to seeing, okay, this is Miles Sanders' job. When he needs a blow, someone's going to step in. Okay, this is Saquon Barkley's job. When he needs a blow, Miles Sanders can step in. Just a different feel to the whole situation this year. Yeah, I got asked a bunch about rep splits this week. I'm not sure how it's going to play out, to be honest with you, because it's a, you, you want to ride the hot hand. You also want to get these guys game uh, game reps. And, and I'm interested to see how much they, they're involved in the passing game. That's something that we've criticized Penn State over the last couple of years. Um, pretty much since uh, Saquon left, was how was the running back going to get into the passing game? You know, you're going to bring back the screen game. Are you going to get uh, a new quarterback broken in? Give him, give him a safety uh, valve in the flat. And I think these guys are capable receivers, especially Slade and Ford, capable receivers, guys that can get out in space and, and make some things happen. So excited to see where that happens. Moving outside, you've got starters at wide receiver listed. KJ Hamler, no surprise. Josh uh, Jahan Dotson, sorry, the Redskins fan in me coming out with the Josh Doxson. Jahan Dotson uh, out, out there. And Justin Shorter, the guy that started camp as the number one. He's on the depth chart as number one. He's been a guy that's been in and out, as we mentioned in camp, uh, camp reports. We haven't seen a ton of him, but... 
interested to see what he can bring to the table. He's the number one at the X with Daniel George right behind him. Of course, you got Mac Hippenhammer out there. You got Dan Chisena, who's uh, you know drawn some some pretty good reviews out there. No Weston Carr though. So wide receiver. You're looking for maybe a six-man rotation. Uh, does Cam Sullivan Brown work his way in there? You're looking for maybe a six or seven-guy rotation, um, but shorter is is the one that's going to get the headlines. Uh, I'm not sure how this is going to play out because we saw last year we we thought that Penn State had a rotation down, and then these guys started dropping balls. That's going to be a, a, a test for this group. Is can you get consistent enough to break into that rotation, to stay in that rotation, have that consistency to play out through the entire year? I think it's going to be interesting to uh, to see which direction some of these guys can go. You may have noticed there was just a few questions about Justin Schroeder on the uh, Lions 24-7 message boards after some of these practice sessions. And, and as you said, there we, we don't always get to see everybody, depending on what they're doing. And we did not see a lot of Justin Schroeder. So uh, I was definitely curious, you know, to see him without that or label. I was kind of anticipating maybe him and Daniel George would have the or. Uh, so, I mean, there's some separation there. I think Daniel George will be f- featured pretty prominently in this rotation. And Matt Kippenhammer, we've said it all month long, Sean, getting a lot of love from the coaching staff. Franklin, again, went out of his way to, to spotlight Matt Hibbenhammer as a guy who came in, uh, knew he was behind the curve a little bit because he missed spring camp focused on baseball, had to play catch up with Jared Parker, and he's done everything they've asked. And it sure sounds like he's going to get every opportunity to bounce back from what turned out to be uh, a season for him last year as a redshirt freshman that really fizzled as the Big Ten play wore on. So he gets a chance for redemption here. I'm sure Cam Sullivan Brown would look for one. Uh, really don't expect much out of the, out of the true freshman and TJ Jones and John Dunmore in terms of impact this year, but it's very clear here. KJ Hamler comes back. He's got he's got the uh, experience under his belt. Expecting big things from him. Want to see them get to the ball to him more often. But again, those three who came in last year, we talked about that being a very special wide receiver group. Jahan Dotson's made his mark. Now Daniel George, Justin Shorter. We've said before, if one of those guys can assert himself as a consistent presence and a, and, a, and a force on the outside, really opens a lot of things up for this offense. If both of those guys can do and be interchangeable, essentially, that's a huge deal for this offensive attack. And, and John Reed said, again, something notable uh, on Tuesday during the press conference. He said he's really noticed that Justin Shorter has embraced his physicality more on the football field, using that to his advantage, using that to gain space. And they, you look at the kid, and he is so impressive as a physical specimen. Sometimes you wonder if he realizes how big he is upstairs You know, when you talk to him. And Franklin talked talked about it. Justin Shorter has talked about it. The confidence is the key for him. He came on strong as a high school player. Kind of felt like his confidence was reset coming to State College last year. Here he is in year number two as the starter, and, and he'll get a chance to show us what he's all about week one against an FCS opponent. Because if he doesn't look like a you know an alpha personality out there at wide receiver this week, then then that that's going to bring up some questions. But he's got the opportunity here to, to live up to expectations, and I'm sure a lot of Penn State fans are are relieved to see Justin Shorter went out there and got the job done during preseason camp. Yeah, still uh, improvement needed to be made from from that aspect. Uh, you mentioned the alpha personality, which is something that you know I've been talking. Talking about since the, the I guess probably since the end of the last season was he needs to embrace it. He needs to be the five star guy. He needs to be the number one guy, and and we won't know that he can do that until we see it on the field. So really curious to see what Justin Shorter can bring to the table. We know he's got the talent. We know he's got the ability to do it. Um, just gotta you know sort of uh, believe that he can do it and assert himself in a way that uh, that makes him a potential number one guy. Moving on, Rasheed Walker wins the left tackle spot. That's not a surprise. Uh, something we reported last week that you're going to see all three of those tackles uh, uh, along with Will Fries on the right side and Des 
Holmes has really worked his way up into getting reps. And and it's going to be interesting because both at tackle and guard, you're going to see three guys. We thought uh, Steven Gonzalez was a, a guy that you could sort of put in pen as a starter coming back. Well, all of a sudden, he's splitting reps with Michael Miranda, who's become a very important part of that interior offensive line. He's the backup or, or the co-starter at left guard. He's the backup center, and he's also listed as a co-starter at, uh, at right guard with C.J. Thorpe. So you're going to see all three of those guys right around uh, Michael Mennett, uh, who's going to play center. And then, of course, you've got Fries and, and Holmes on the other side. So um, not a ton of surprises from that aspect, but I think it's notable that Holmes has worked his way into a, a rotational role. Mike Miranda has had a good camp and, and worked his way into a rotational role as well. So uh, you're going to get some different combinations on Saturday, and I think that's the time to work out with it. By the way, we haven't gotten into Idaho yet, but I sent you some stats over uh, about the Idaho uh, interior defensive line. I think they go 347 uh, 353, and then there's a 510, 330-pounder in the middle there. So they're going to have to be uh, – they're going to take up some space in the middle. Granted, it's an FCS team. They're going to take up some space in the middle. It's going to be a, you know, a different kind of, uh, of challenge for those guys in the interior. Franklin had mentioned late in preseason camp that he did anticipate all three guards would play, and that led us to wonder, well, does that mean you're taking Steven Gonzalez off the field, or does that mean Steven Gonzalez as a first-teamer is maybe maybe in jeopardy? And you know, I, I think, again, this is healthy for the team. When you're recruiting at the level that Penn State is recruiting the last couple of years, and, and back-to-back top 10 recruiting classes when you look at 24-7 rankings, that talent should <laughs> convince anybody, I don't care how long they've been on the roster, that there's no room to coast, there's no room to rest on your laurel, and no one on this offensive line should really be able to do that, especially because that's been circled as an area where it needs to make a leap if this program truly wants to be a perennial playoff contender. And so I would say the same thing about Will Fries. We had a chance to speak with Will Fries um, on Wednesday morning, and, and, and I kind of brought up the question. I said, well, Steven Gonzalez has this or designation now. Um, I, it, it sounds like Des Holmes is kind of breathing down your neck. And, and he said, yeah, you know, it, it forces you to, to kind of, you know, level up and, and, and check yourself. So they need that. And, and I think, you know, they want to get four tackles of the ability to play. Caden Wallace has really impressed them. So I think Will Fries is the guy I continue to look at. I know we mentioned him as an X factor last week, but considering what we keep hearing about Des Holmes and that initial punch and, 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 and just the, the lot of nice things, I think Will Fries is a guy that's got to come out of the gates playing strong and, and playing consistently, or I think he could get reps taken away from him. I agree. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And that 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 uh, whole group is going to be under a microscope throughout the first month of the season or so. So it'll be interesting to see where they stand uh, when we get into October. Uh, defensively, uh, not much unexpected, but your boy Jason away, the number two guy, Daniel Joseph, we thought would be there, um, except it, or it, he's the third guy behind Shane Simmons. So uh, a lot of talent we know at defensive end, Jason away making that move and they expect him and Idaho is starting a true freshman, uh, going to start a true freshman offensive tackle. They expect OA to, to make some splash plays for them this year. Again, still coming along consistently as a down-to-down player, but think he can be that splash guy, that impact guy that, uh, that, that we've been looking forward to seeing since he got to campus. When we were doing our off-season kind of roundtable series with Mark Brennan and, and you, and, and, and we were asked for the uh, now-or-never guys on defense, Daniel Joseph was my choice, and it wasn't really about Daniel Joseph's abilities. It was about, again, the group that has formed around him at defensive end. He's a guy in his fourth year, so is Shane Simmons. 
so is Shaka Tony. And, and we know Shaka Tony has taken off and earned a starting role opposite of Vitor Grossmatos. But uh, Jason Owe is obviously a big storyline. And, and yeah, spa- splash plays will come early and often as long as he stays healthy, I think, especially early in the season. Um, and the other notable thing there is right behind Jason Owe, Got Adiza Isaac, and as we'll get to in a moment, uh, he is expected to be full go this season as a true freshman. I'm not saying he's going to get 20 snaps a game, but again, they have done a nice job putting together a lot of talent. And a year from now, when Daniel Joseph's in his last year, and and the same goes for, for Shane Simmons, there's the guys who are working behind the scenes right now that I think you and I are pretty excited about. I know Sean Spencer is that a year from now, they may be ready to make a, an upward move. So at the very least, you're going to suffer injuries. We've seen it before at defensive end, and they've got a nice stockpile brewing there. Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting to see the difference because you've got guys like Gross Matos, who has always been a great football player. Shane Simmons is is probably the most intriguing guy of that group right now because we know he's got talent. We know he's got ability. Uh, just hasn't, I mean, he's been injured for what, 18 months now. So um, it's going to be a situation where he's got to get out there in September. He's got to get reps. And I think once he gets reps, he'll come back around. We haven't even really talked about Shaka Tony, who's the starter there. So uh, just so many possibilities and a guy like Adisa Isaac, um, since he got on campus, I mean, he was probably 220, 225 when he got on campus, close to 250 right now, sort of in that Sharif Miller mold where not a ton of structure when he, but before he got to Penn State, when he got here, he started eating right. He started getting into a lifting program and sort of exploded and, and got to where he's he is right now as a green light guy. So I'm really intrigued to see what he can do. And always kind of the same way, just I think Adisa, a little bit better football player when he got here. So really interested to see where that goes from. And down that, uh, down that same pipeline, uh, Joseph Darkwa, the kid looks ridiculously good in terms of uh, of a physical shape far far away from being a finished product but they're really excited with what they've gotten on him in campus and it's just that that group that came in you've got Darkwa you've got Smith Vilbert who looks like a million bucks but he's still far away from being an impact guy uh, you've got Adisa Isaac Hakeem Beeman who's who has uh, drawn some praise from James Franklin so that defensive line uh, they're throwing a lot of numbers at that position but it looks like the early returns and and granted Guys like Vilbert and Darkwa are still wild cards. You're not sure what they're going to be in a couple of years, but they like what they've gotten out of them so far, and and really that's that's really where this roster has taken a big step forward in the last couple of years. Antonio Shelton had a great tweet. I'm sure you saw it. Uh, of a, he retweeted a picture of Darkwa getting off the team bus at photo day, and he looked like, I don't know, a 30-year-old NFL veteran, and he, he labeled it Dare Terminator. And, and and I say Dare as in the German form of, no, of no, the. We, so, we got it. We got it. Okay, just making sure. Just making sure. I, I, I thought it was funny. It was, well, there you go. Uh, the, the Germans <laughs> are known for their hilarious takes. Um, anyway, uh, moving down that line, uh, Damian Barber listed as the fourth defensive tackle. I think you're going to see six of those guys on Saturday, maybe even more. I mean, we're talking in crunch time. You're also going to see, in addition to Windsor and Shelton starting, you're going to see Mustafer. You're going to see Barber. You're also going to see Judge Culpepper, who has come on lately, and Fred Hansard as well, who I think we, we've talked about a few times is still working back into, into game form, which should be expected coming off that injury. 
the linebacker situation on Saturday. Of course, Cam Brown going to miss the first half, at least the first half, uh, with that suspension from the targeting. Uh, I say at least the first half because Franklin was kind of vague on what they were trying to do. Uh, the ideal situation that we talked about a couple of months ago when that suspension obviously came to light. Um, Micah Parsons going to play some Sam. Jesse Lucetta going to start at uh, at will, at least according to the depth chart. I think that's the way to go. I think you get Parsons uh, cross-trained at a, both of those outside positions. Also at Sam, we saw Brandon Bell attack the quarterback as a Sam linebacker a few years ago. We know Micah Parsons can do that. And you've got Jesse Lucetta who played on, uh, in every game last year on special teams. Give him his first start. Get him all the reps that you can because you, you want to get a good long look at him at will. You have him listed as a backup Mike. So see what he has as a linebacker. This is the perfect game to do it. Had a chance to talk with Jesse Lucetta early in the week. He was actually the first player up for the conference calls out of the five guys we got. So you can check out some of uh, his conversation on Lines 24-7. We got a story up there. He talks about himself, and he's obviously become very close friends uh, with Micah Parsons coming in together. He said a lot about Micah and what he anticipates for him this year. But, yeah, good opportunity for, for Lucetta, obviously, who got his feet wet last year on special teams. And, you know, you do wonder how they will handle Cam Brown uh, if, the, if the game – goes the way they'd like it to go into the second half. You know, uh, I guess you want to get Cam Brown his reps, but you also have some younger guys like a Lance Dixon, like a Brandon Smith, who are not going to get redshirted this year if, 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 if they stay on the right track. And and uh, so it could be opportunities for them to get on the field as well and, and keep Cam Brown, uh, you know, con- con- conditioned and, and, and healthy for the next game. So it'll be interesting to see where they go there. Um, and then we go over to the defensive backfield, Sean. Not a lot of surprises, uh, but clearly uh, we have... I'd wondered for a while what would happen with safety. We, we, it was one of the big storylines of the entire offseason until lately when it seemed like the coaching staff had really gained a lot of comfort, not just with Lamont Wade at the safety spot, but with what they've got at the two deep. And it shapes up as we've projected it for some time now. Lamont Wade uh, and Garrett Taylor and the first team. And then behind them, you've got Jaquan Brisker out of the Juco uh, route. And you've got Jonathan Sutherland now in his third year with this program. So we've heard a lot of confidence about this group. It sounds like Lamont Wade is is confident, which is important for him. He plays off that. It fuels him. And he's also uh, comfortable, which is even more important at the safety spot because you can very easily tell when a safety is not comfortable and it usually turns out terrible for your defense. So Lamont Wade's going to have to prove it in game action with a, with a major leap in reps based, uh, compared to what he's had in his first couple years on campus. But this is the opportunity that Lamont Wade stuck around for after going in that transfer portal last winter. It's all there for the taking for him right now as a junior. From an on-field standpoint, we mentioned it didn't make a ton of sense for him to leave this offseason. Seems that he has gotten back into the groove and figured out where he's at. I think he's in that. There's, there's a list of guys, and we're, we're talking, you know, when we talk preseason, we talk a lot of uh, the guys doing well and everything like that. But there's still an element of everybody has to do it on the field. You got to show it on the field. Wade's in that category. Shorter's in that category. You know, some of that offensive line's in that category. And, and even Sean Clifford's in that category. So there's a lot of guys that, you know, we talk about uh, doing well in the offseason. We're going to have to see it on the uh, on the field in the next couple of weeks. And I'm, I'm excited to see what Lamont Wade can bring to the table. They seem fine with those four safeties, uh, probably better than they expected with those four safeties. We're going to see a bunch of Brisker and Sutherland. Sutherland, by the way, a special teams captain, uh, you know, one of those captains that were announced late last week. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see where this position is uh, entering October, just like where it's going to be interesting where that uh, where the offensive line is and where the, the receiver group is. So uh, 
not a ton of surprises there. Moving on, no Donovan Johnson on the uh, on, on the depth chart at corner. We reported last week in that S zone actually that, that Johnson's been dealing with some injuries, um, so not a huge surprise from that aspect. Uh, but you've got Trent Gordon and you've got Keaton Ellis there as your backup corners, so not a ton of depth there. But you, you're going to see what uh, what Ellis is all about very soon. He was listed as a star as well. Um, on the on the depth chart, but, but behind I believe John Reed and uh, Lamont Wade. So uh, we'll we'll see what he brings to the table. We're going to see him right away. I think we're going to see him on special teams as well. One of those green lighted freshmen, and there's there's a bunch of them. There's more than uh, uh, more than I think we probably would have uh, sketched out heading into camp. Last year, we got seven names from James Franklin who were going to be green light guys. There ended up being eight players who burned their red shirt by the end of the 2018 season. Jahan Dotson was the one who wasn't necessarily expected entering the year. The wide receiver room dictated that he needed to be involved more often. Uh, But this group right now, you start with the two running backs because I think those are where you look. Um, They they could make an impact right out of the gate. I'm talking first quarter of the first game, potentially. Noah Kane, Devin Ford, both going to get green lit. People have talked about, well, can you find a way to, to redshirt one and stash him you don't stash these kind of running backs I mean Noah Kane said on signing day three and out about four times and and that's just the mindset I know they've they've kind of reprogrammed him to focus on the here and now but these are the caliber of running backs that have had double digit offer totals since their freshman year of high school and, and they're ready to hit it and they're physically there they're mentally there there's a reason that Penn State pushed so hard for multiple years uh, in the case of Devin Ford and, and then really came on strong late uh, in the last year for Noah Kane so as I said I think either have the potential both have the potential to, to by the end of this season look like the co-starters that they're listed at right now. Franklin giving the nod to Ricky Slade at running back, still view him as a guy who's a stride ahead, uh, has an opportunity to, to really you know, live his dreams out right now and maybe maybe secede um, as as the guy. But I, again, I just have a hard time wrapping my head around this group and finding just the guy. And I just think there's always going to be some kind of combination. And Journey Brown, you know, um, the recruiting accolades weren't there, but he was so darn special as a high school athlete. He's come in uh, and, and he has become what we've heard as a well-rounded back, but he's just such limited in game in game opportunities. He had a touchdown last year against Illinois, but we just didn't see him enough. And, and uh, so anything could happen at running back in my mind, but to see both those guys green lit from the get-go, especially Devin Ford, who got to campus in June, that was impressive on both their parts. I think Noah Kane was always going to be on this list considering what he did during spring practice and coming in in January. But for, for Devin Ford to get to this point in a matter of two months, that speaks volumes about how he prepared himself to get to Penn State and what he's shown J1 Sider, James Franklin, and Ricky Ronnie since he got to campus. I think it's more about the position. I mean, number one, the numbers aren't great. You got four guys in there, and you're never going to you know keep all or keep your first two or three guys completely healthy the whole season. So you're going to need a couple of guys to, to rotate in there and, and take some carries away. Number two, you're not redshirting running backs anymore. I mean, that's just... That's just the nature of the game these days. I mean, these guys come in ready to go. As you mentioned, Noah Kane came in ready to, to enter the draft already. So um, it's it, it's a situation where the, the, the nature of the position, you want to get your, your three years and go, basically. We saw that with Miles Sanders. Uh, of course, Barkley was a, a bit of a different story because of, of, of how uber-talented he was. Sanders, tremendously talented as well, but was not a feature guy for three years, and he ended up doing pretty well for himself, going number 53 overall, I believe, in the draft. So uh, I think it's more of a nature of the position. 
position. Penn State is recruiting the running back position as well as, you know, anybody this side of Bama and Georgia. So, I mean, it's a situation where you're bringing these guys in. They want to play. You want them to play and you want them to push the guy in front of them. Journey Brown redshirted a couple of years ago. And and we've talked several times about Brown's, uh, I guess, approach is something that needed to be fine-tuned in that year and of course he didn't have the four game cushion either so that that makes a difference so um it, it's a situation where you're not going to see running backs uh, redshirted at penn state you got kaziah holmes and of course kevon lee who committed last week we're going to talk about that later in the episode but it's just not happening anymore yeah, Lance Dixon, Brandon Smith, another duo at the same position, a, a linebacker, and, and and both of them have the green light. Both of them were considered five-star prospects in 24-7 sports evaluation. Um, and, and, you know, I, I wonder, I think I think I tend to foresee more of a Jesse Lucchetto route for these two. A lot of special teams, some reserve action, uh, you know, especially in maybe non-conference play at linebacker. Uh, but, but if you're, you know, front end of your linebacker group, the experienced guys hold up. I do think there's room though. I, I mean, for Brandon Smith in particular, I, I could certainly see because he's already 240 pounds. I could see him making some moves this year, but I don't see anyone going out there uh, and racking up a bunch of tackles and getting into a spot where their they're, they're co-starter like Micah Parsons was last year. And again, that speaks a lot about what Penn State has assembled, that they don't need these five stars to play those roles right away. Uh, could be totally wrong. Maybe maybe someone flops in the linebacker spot. Injuries can rack up in a hurry. Uh, but again, I think we're going to see a lot of these guys on special teams. And that's a great thing because that's some serious talent that Joe Laura gets to work with. I tell you what, some of these guys, and, th- and this is not uh, a shot at them, they don't realize how much special teams play can do for them. And you're looking at Jesse Lucchetta is going to start his, uh, the first game of his sophomore year without getting linebacker reps, essentially, uh, as a true freshman. Uh, getting in there, getting that experience, and that's something you've got to get across to, to Brandon Smith, to Lance Dixon, even even to a guy like Jaquan Brisker. Um, you, want the, you want to play special teams right away. It's going to give you a taste of, of what to expect, and it's going to give you a different perspective on where you stand um, – you know, amongst your teammates, among, uh, you know, where you sit on that depth chart and everything like that. So special teams is going to be ultimately valuable. And look at the difference in the roster right now. Um, I, you know, I sort of uh, touched on this in the S zone. You're talking playing Manny Bowen and Jake Cooper as a freshman versus playing Brandon Smith and playing Lance Dixon as freshman in reserve roles in, uh, you know, it, it, obviously that was a special situation a couple of years ago with some guys getting hurt. But you're looking at at the difference between where Penn State is now as a roster and where Penn State is, or excuse me, was at that point. So very important to to look at it from that aspect. You're not asking Brandon Smith to come in and start right away. You're not asking Lance Dixon to come in and start way, right away. Sure, if they earn it, they can come in and take it. You know, Keaton Ellis to an extension has has done that and has moved up the ranks. And I don't think he was going to take John Reed's job or Tariq Castrofield's job, but he's done that and moved up the ranks. Those guys at linebacker have that ability to make that climb, to make that change, um, but you, you don't need them to, and that's that's a really good spot to be in. In the trenches, Sean, a couple names that popped up when Franklin was talking about green lights. Caden Wallace, who's gotten uh, reps at both tackle positions and, and early on some guard play as well. And then Adiza Isaac, who I mentioned is listed behind Jason Alway and, and, and Shaka Tony at the defensive end spot. 
Um, very difficult, I, I always find, to, to anticipate a true freshman will come in and make an impact. P.J. Mustafer uh, was the first defensive tackle to do that uh, last year. Uh, you know, I saw Jason Way restricted to those four games. But Caden Wallace, I think, if he keeps up, again, talk about a guy who didn't get here in January. Imagine if Caden Wallace had gotten here in January. And he was here in May. We've heard rave reviews about him. Adiza Isaac has flashed on the practice field, even in the short samplings that we've had. Uh, so two names to keep an eye on. And I do think Caden uh, Wallace, you, 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 you stand him next to a guy like Will Fries and, and you just you can tell the difference. And Will Fries has, has played a lot of football. Uh, you know, he was a three-star guy uh, coming out of uh, coming out of high school, and and at the college level, he's not been an all Big Ten performer. Caden Wallace was a top 100 recruit, top 50 recruit, I think he even was. And, and now you see him in the flesh on the college football field. He fits right in, and that's where I'm going. I, I just think any of these veterans, uh, especially on the offensive front, they, they cannot put, take their foot off the gas pedal because guys like him are coming. And it sounds like Caden Wallace will see a lot of action. More so than Rashid Walker last year, who was restricted to those four games. Uh, Franklin compared well, uh, Walker to Wallace um, in terms of their athleticism, their their abilities. But he just said at this point, Caden Wallace, as a true freshman, is, is more physically advanced than Rashid Walker was last year. So we're going to see a lot of him, and I'd expect that's going to start on Saturday. Yeah, I hope, I hope you're okay. You're, you're struggling over there. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I think this is a future play. I, I, if Caden Wallace is what they think he is and what they've seen in practice would lend them to believe this, he's not going to be here in five years. And that's not something you say about an offensive line. I mean, you look at Salim Wormley. Wormley's probably going to be here you know, down the line because he's got some, some work to do. Um, but if you look at Wallace and you think that Wallace is going to be a guy that's maybe uh, going to be a starter next year, going to be pushing... Uh, by the end of this season, then you're going to play him. You're going to see what happens. Conversely, Anthony Wigan is a guy that's got three years to play too. I think based on what he, or based on how he showed up, we obviously have talked about his strength needs to, to, to be worked on. He's been working a little bit at guard. He's probably going to be here three years. You know, this is not, uh, this is not, uh, I guess a level comparison. Cause you're talking about a Juco kid, uh, versus a high school kid, but, the, the talent level and the physicality and all that kind of stuff sort of sides with Wallace right now. Wigan has to work on that side, and you've got a year to do it. Now, in a perfect world, you, you could redshirt Wigan, and I think that's, you know, that's what they're going for right now. But at the same time, it doesn't always work out that way. So uh, I think hold off on Wigan as long as you can, but throw Wallace right in and, and see where he can go because I don't think he's a five-year player. And one other quick note, uh, Franklin did go out of his way to mention Juice Scruggs and, and sound like there's some optimism that he would be back on the field and in and, and action soon. And obviously that would impact your your interior of the offensive line. We don't know where Scruggs is, but we've seen him out there. Um, and I guess, you know, obviously, we'd all love to see Juice Scruggs in action considering what he dealt with this offseason. Um, any, action, any action that you can get from Juice Scruggs is great. Um, is sort of gravy on top because of that, that injury. I mean, not really counting on him this year, but if you can get him back into form this is a guy that was going to play this year i mean we talk about miranda in that rotation i think we would have been talking about uh juice Scruggs as well in that rotation so anything you can get from him to to sort of set up that progress for the spring or for 2020 is great with juice Scruggs and on a human level just seeing him back out there is, is a great thing no doubt about it. We're coming back in a moment with a commitment, and we're coming back with Sean Clifford breakdown and what he brings and, and how this decision was made and what it means going forward. But first, a word from our sponsor. 
Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Penn State went back down to Florida and picked up another blue-chip running back prospect this week. On Monday evening, we found out that Kevon Lee... Uh, will be joining the Nittany Lions uh, 2020 recruiting class. He's the second four-star running back to join the group in August, uh, along with Kaziah Holmes. And, and Sean, this is one that you had pegged for a long time in the crystal ball. The consensus was there. No surprises. J1 Sider, uh, as, as several of the commenters and board posters said, uh, pay the man. Yeah, um, about that. that. That's pretty ridiculous to think that he got two four-star kids out of Florida, both running backs in this month. Um, we we think back to, I guess, early summer when Marshawn Lloyd committed elsewhere and Chris Tyree committed elsewhere. Jalen Berger is, of course, still on the board. But we, we knew Penn State was going to do something the way that they've been recruiting running backs, and Sider just took it upon himself to bring in the two guys from Florida. So uh, really good addition to the room. Um, it's it, Everybody talks about... And I think I said this last last class with um, with Kane and Ford talking about complementing backs. I don't think that's what they're going for, and, and that's and obviously Holmes and Lee, two very different backs, two very different styles, and and they do complement each other well, and that's great. Um, but they're just looking for two of the best backs that they can get, and sort of plugging them in. We mentioned really no red shirts anymore, and and just seeing what these guys have, and it's really become an assembly line more than anything. And Kevon Lee brings you a bruiser. Um, you know, I think he's probably close to 230 right now in a six-foot frame, but stops and starts really well, can move between the tackles, can can do some things when he gets out in the open field, can catch the ball as well. So uh, just really an all-around skill set. Um, you know, I, where's he at on a straight-line speed is probably more of a question than, than you could uh, – or the biggest question that you could bring up. Um, is he – too big, maybe? I don't know. He's, he's a heck of an athlete. He's played some linebacker. Florida State was looking at him to play as an athlete, maybe a linebacker as well. So the, 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 the questions about this kid are 
you know, good ones to have. But at the same time, I mean, this is a top 100 player on 24-7 sports, uh, a four-star kid, no doubt. And he's been very productive against some very uh, pro- very good competition. So Lee's a great pickup for Penn State, pairs well with Holmes, as we said before. And and really, you got to like where Sider's coming from this because this, this guy's a machine right now. And, and it's so impressive what they've been able to do in a short time. It's uh, Sider coming. You, to- you and I, we're, ju- we're just kind of like chuckling and laughing. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's remarkable yeah. to think how far he's come and just he hasn't been here that long of course he had last cycle where he got Dunmore and and Kane and TJ Jones and now he goes up and and gets these two running backs and had a hand in in, in getting Nick Elkskins uh or Elksness uh from Jacksonville in the 2021 class of course Tyler Bowen was involved in that one too uh, but it's just remarkable to think after all those years of what Penn State could do nothing in 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 Florida essentially now all of a sudden they're one of those programs mentioned there's a, a, a defensive end and slipping my uh slipping my mind right now but he's mentioning florida state florida miami and penn state as potential uh the big four in florida right uh, yeah exactly (laughs) potential official visits that doesn't make sense it just as hard as it is for me to get to to Tampa, you know, just it, it doesn't make any sense. Jay Sider is a heck of a recruiter. He's a, he's got tremendous relationships in Florida. It doesn't make sense, but hey, just gonna keep rolling with it. Just gonna say it. I saw recently that State College Airport is expanding uh, its direct flights. A couple going down to Florida now, so that will help I, the I cause. Have no no <laughs> no doubt in my mind that he negotiated that deal. Yeah, that was all Jay Sider. Very impressive. And and Kevon Lee, you know, put it this way: he ran. It was a shutout loss for his team last year. But he put up 200 yards on 17 carries against IMG Academy. And anyone who follows recruiting knows that IMG Academy, that defense is filled with future Power 5 defensive prospects. So uh, really an impressive thing, and and, and we'll continue to keep tabs. We got Kazai Holmes on the show uh, earlier this month. Maybe we'll get Kevon Lee um, on sometime during his senior year. But uh, an impressive tandem that follows an impressive duo from last year. And I've had people say, well, I guess that closes up shop on, on Penn State's running back recruiting. And I say, well, not so fast because uh, as you said Jalen Berger out there and he's a guy who's talked about wide receiver and I would say that the discrepancy between Lee and, and Holmes is pretty simple when you talk about Holmes and projecting as a defensive prospect which he kind of was early on in his high school career it was a defensive back it was it was a safety and you talk about uh, Lee and like you said he's all the way linebacker and it sounds like there was some serious interest in him playing linebacker at the next level so by the way Sean um, unless Journey Brown you know goes off and and decides he's leaving for the draft or somebody transfers from this group, everybody we talked about, those four players, they'll be back in 2020, and you'll be adding some interesting pieces as well. So get used to that RBU drum being beaten by J1 Sider and this staff, as as you said earlier, Alabama, Georgia, and you gotta you got to convince me that anyone else in the country is recruiting Penn, uh, recruiting running backs lately better than Penn State. Yeah, they're doing a heck of a job. Uh, you know that I hate position U debates because <laughs> they're just worthless and never amount to anything. But yeah, Penn State doing a phenomenal job at running back. Jalen Berger's still out there. They're, I mean, he, these guys, uh, some of these guys are, are versatile. They're athletes. And Berger can also play some receiver. We talked about we'd love to see what he could do at safety. Uh, but you, you, considering what's on the board still out there and you've got a bunch of guys like Theo Johnson and, and Traore on the offensive side of the ball and then a bunch of guys on defense as well, considering what's out there, you got to get the best available athletes. Berger is going to have a spot uh, all the way up until January as, as far as I know, unless something crazy happens. So um, just going to throw numbers at it and that position is just going to get better and some of 
these other positions around them uh, as a result are going to get better as well. And the last time Penn State signed three running backs in a class was 2014. Of course, they followed it up by bringing in Mr. Barkley, and then that shook things up quite a bit. But hey, you look at, you know, you, if you like an athlete, you like an athlete. And, and Nick Scott made the most of his situation, ended up being a, a senior captain for you at, at safety. And now he's with the Los Angeles Rams battling for a job in their defensive backfield a few years later. So yeah, you take on that kind of talent, especially in a year where it sounds like they have the numbers to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, no doubt in my mind that, and it's a different, and no disrespect to Mark Allen, Nick Scott, and Jonathan Thomas. If you took three in of this course. cycle, it'd be a bit different than taking three in that cycle. Um, as, as promised, we're going to move on to Sean Clifford right now. We recorded this last week. Uh, it still holds up everything that we've said. It's some interesting stuff. I wouldn't shut us off right now unless you already have. Um, but uh, it, it's worth a listen. We're going to talk Sean Clifford. We're going to talk Will Levis and the young guys as well. But it, it, it's worth your time. It's an anticipated decision, one that maybe went a little further into camp than some anticipated, but uh, now on the verge of turning their attention towards game prep. Uh, Sean Fitz, who we bring in now. Sean Clifford is Penn State's starting quarterback. Not exactly a surprise on the timing. This is basically when Trace McSorley was announced as the starter, uh, when he was announced in 2016. So it makes sense. It goes along with everything we've heard in terms of ref split, in terms of, uh, you know, people that have been at practice have said that Clifford, you know, was probably going to be the guy, most likely and decidedly going to be the guy. So not a big surprise for anybody. But, yeah, I mean, this started, new starting quarterback at Penn State, so we're here to talk about it. The first time in three years that James Franklin has had to name a new starting quarterback. There were some questions last year at different portions of the season based on McSorley's health about who his starting quarterback may be on that Saturday. But obviously turning the keys over to a pretty young player here in Sean Clifford. Not a Tommy Stevens situation where it's a guy on his last year of eligibility. Sean Clifford has three years ahead here. Will Levis, of course, has four years of eligibility entering the season. We'll talk about Levis in a moment and what they're going to need out of him with the number two spot. But, uh, Sean, with Clifford, uh, the attitude, I think, has always been there with him. Got to interact a bit during his Elite 11 rise uh, as a junior and then to cl- closing in towards his senior year at St. Xavier. Always stood out in the practice field. It's something that Trent Dilfer uh, and the Elite 11 staff out there uh, would really hammer home. Uh, and and I saw him out there. He, he was this, on the same team as some guys that were more highly acclaimed. Um, I just thought he did a better job commanding the huddle than a lot of those players. And many of them are still looking for an opportunity that Clifford has earned here at Penn State. And obviously, more importantly, the feedback since he's gotten to campus and, and since, Sean, uh, since Sean Clifford became the anticipated starting quarterback has been very strong about how he stood up in front of this squad um, and has really kind of set the tone for what they need to do on a daily basis. And he's always been known as a hard worker. But the one thing that stands out when James Franklin has discussed his development, really dating back to spring camp earlier this year is how much more athletic he is than the Sean Clifford who showed up here in June 2017. Uh, he was evaluated as a top 10 pro style passer in the composite rankings and, and, and James Franklin and several of these players most recently uh, Michael Mennett at last week's practice you know telling us that this is a different guy who can do some things with his feet. I don't think this is a Trace McSorley 2.0 situation. A guy is going to go run for double-digit touchdowns, 800-plus yards, and really be someone you can uh, lean on in the run game when needed. But we've talked about it before. This offensive line is going to go through its growing pains with new starters. He's going to be forced outside the pocket. He's going to need to be able to react. And you know, quite frankly, this offense always it runs at its best when you have that rushing threat at quarterback. So um, definitely not a Trace McSorley, but but this is not a guy who's who's lacking 
for athleticism back there based on everything we've heard. We're going to see it very soon. Well, Trace was your goal line back last year. I mean, he was the guy that, uh, I mean, he was such a tough runner. Clifford, you don't want him to be that guy, especially with uh, only two guys that, uh, I guess one guy with experience in Clifford and then Levis, I think you kind of think differently as uh, aside from Michael Johnson Jr. and Taquan Roberson, the three and four right now. Um, so you go back to where Sean Clifford was, and when he, even when he committed, chip on his shoulder, everybody thought Penn State was in it for Hunter Johnson. They go ahead, they take the commitment from Sean Clifford, who probably wasn't the top guy on their board. Johnson was still out there. A few other guys were still out there. But, I mean, this is the kind of guy that they built that class around. They, You know, it wasn't the, the flashy class that the 2018 class was or, or the 2019 class, which has gotten good reviews so far. You know, it was kind of a transition class, and Clifford was the leader of that class. He was a guy that was the first commit in, and he was a recruiter all the way through. Didn't really flinch when uh, uh, when, when Joe Moorhead was named the offensive coordinator, even though maybe it wasn't the style that fit him the best. So um, interesting to see his development over the last couple of years. He was, <clears throat> excuse me, he was hurt in his high school career. He came back and won a state championship game off of the injury, but at the same time he worked through those injuries, and I think that's been the theme of his entire career since he's been at Penn State. He's worked through a lot of different things. He came in with the shoulder injury, um, came in behind a couple of guys. He worked through getting reps with Tommy Stevens. He got into the game last year, made the most of that. So every step along the way, he's worked himself into a player at Penn State. Now he's eventually worked himself into a starter. What does that mean right now for uh, for the on-the-field product? I, I agree with you. I think that uh, the running game might change a little bit. Um, not that that's not what they're planning for, but the running game may change a little bit because you're not counting on him to carry the ball 13 to 15 times a game. Um, so that changes things with the running backs. It changes a little bit with your RPO. Um, you got to put people in different spots. And I think they're going to try and throw the ball a lot in September just to get him uh, more acclimated to the, to the environment, get him ready for real game speed. I think they're going to try and figure out those receivers as well. So you're, you're trying to catch up a lot of guys, quarterback, wide receiver, um, left tackle, and guard, and, of course, uh, those running backs. You're trying to catch up a lot of guy, those guys, get them experience, get them in there, and get moving. Well, there's not that much time to do it. So I think that they're going to hit the ground running with Idaho prep and, and Buffalo. Take a look at Buffalo and maybe Pittsburgh as well. But you've got to get those guys a lot of reps, and I think this is where you just throw them at Sean Clifford and say, "Hey, you got to go, uh, got to go learn on the fly now." There's no more, uh, I guess, no more kid gloves with this one. Yeah, and it's not just the guy throwing the ball, as we've talked about at length. The, the people catching the ball haven't really done it much in Penn State uniforms and at, at this level. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, KJ Hamler, and, and really, you know, you can throw in Jahan Dotson a bit as the exceptions there. But the good thing here with Clifford is, you know, he has the experience with a lot of these players. It's not like he's making the leap. Um, Will Levis would have been in a situation where he's going from your scout team quarterback uh, to to your first team quarterback. That is a tremendous leap in terms of getting on the same page with a lot of these players. Uh, Sean Clifford was the number three QB back in 2017. Uh, he's had this is his third summer camp. This is he's had two spring camps, including one this year where he got the first team reps. Uh, a lot of them, at least, and and so the rapport should be there with a lot of these receivers. I think particularly, uh, you know, it should help that he came in with Mac Ippenhammer, Cam Sullivan, Brown. Uh, he's had a couple years now to work with those three redshirt, uh, the two redshirt freshmen, and then Dotson as a sophomore. It's a young group, uh, and that's it goes across the board. And I think with Clifford, of course. Um, you know, you talk about the injuries. He had the torn labrum in the state championship game, which which they did win coming off his senior year. That caused him to miss one of those All America postseason games. But now here we are, and you know, you look at Levis is the next guy, and then your third quarterback here. 
uh, still to be determined, I, I would imagine, uh, Taquan Roberson, Michael Johnson Jr., they were early enrollees. Uh, neither of them, uh, you know, we think, are ready to go out there and win you football games uh, in the Big Ten at this point in their careers. We'll see where it goes from here. But the, the, you're playing on thinner ice this year, Sean, in terms of injuries, because last year, you know, if you didn't have McSorley, you felt pretty good about having to turn to Tommy Stevens. By the end of the year, you felt pretty good about being able to, to go to Sean Clifford. Right now, it's a much more uh, potentially slippery, slippery surface if, if Sean Clifford uh, you know, does run into an issue and, and all of a sudden one of those true freshmen is your number two. Obviously, that's a pessimistic way of looking at the situation, but we've talked a lot about how many of these uh, positions, many on defense. You can certainly look at running back, um, tight end, where, where you really feel good about going down that depth chart quarterback versus last year I think there's a bit of a fall off in terms of what you have there and really what you know you have there well that's just starting with numbers I don't think that's any surprise to anybody and and going from what you were saying Will Levis going from scout team to all of a sudden getting second team reps in the spring that's a big jump to make granted he was fantastic on scout team I talked to somebody that's been with the program uh, for most of Franklin's tenure is not there anymore said he was the best scout team quarterback that he saw during his time there. So now keep in mind, Sean Clifford, you know, jumped Jake Zembeck pretty much as soon as he got here and was taking uh, regular reps and didn't really see much of Trace McSorley because he was the number two when he got here behind Hackenberg. So it's been a, a transition period for scout team quarterbacks, but Levis has some, some big fans in that building. I mean, physically, um, you know, you put these guys up beside each other and, and really there's not much of a contest. I mean, Levis is big, strong. He's got the bigger arm, um, but Clifford has that experience. He has those game reps. He's got those uh, varsity team reps, I guess what we, we would call it. He's got two, two spring camps and three summer camp or three summers under him. So he's got so much more experience. So that's why when we're handicapping this a couple of months ago, yes, we like what Will Levis brings to the table, but you know, really there's not much of a choice when you when you go throwing a guy that doesn't have any experience against a guy that's been essentially a backup for two years. So um, not a very big surprise in that manner. Um, I guess it, I guess you could still use Levis. I mean, we talked about him being a potential goal line threat or something like that. But, I mean, for the most part, it's time to go with one guy. I think that that's the right decision. And we'll see Levis probably in garbage time. But, you know, you get him some reps when you can. Yeah, and, and I would be cautious, you know, using Levis out there because, because again, and I know that's always the worst thing, you know, don't use this guy, he could get hurt. Don't use, don't maximize his talent, he could get hurt. But in this spot, again, you, you if you strike Will Levis off your depth chart all of a sudden because he gets injured playing that Lion role, and there it is, Lion reference, the first of what I'd imagine will be a few when people talk about Will Levis this year. But well, I think if you if somehow something goes wrong there and, and all of a sudden you are looking at a Roberson or Johnson as your next option up at quarterback, it that could really throw everything into a really dicey situation. Again, we don't know what Will Levis is, but I, I would say uh, from, from what we've seen, uh, definitely feel a lot more better putting your eggs in that basket uh, than you would if you're turning to to the true freshman. But what did Will Levis gain from this? You know, 17 days of camp or so, where he was, you know, still, you know, at least had the carrot dangling in front of him with that starting job. Well, he got an opportunity to carry himself like a first-team quarterback in a big-time program with a bunch of big personalities, and and that's what the, his teammates said that he did. That's what he said he, his approach was. And Sean Clifford said the same thing that Will Levis, you know, since the spring 
camp has carried himself as though he was going to be the first guy out leading this team against Idaho. And and, and James Franklin made it a point to bring up Will Levis's name uh, when Tommy Stevens was still on this roster. And obviously we've heard a lot more about Will since Tommy Stevens left, but I think right now, you know, this this team benefited from these guys going at it. If you go, if you turn around and, and as soon as Tommy Stevens sticks his foot in the portal, you say, okay, well, Sean, and that's back in you know what late April. I don't necessarily understand what you gain out of that. You let both these guys uh, approach this offseason, approach the summer. And attack it as if they're fighting for a first-team job, and I think it's beneficiary uh, for everybody involved. Despite the physical differences, I mean, you're not changing the offense for either one of these guys. So that's, I mean, you you can scale back some things that you ran with Trace, but at the same time, you're still running that same shell of an offense, that same style, and you don't have to divert from that, whether it's Clifford or Levison in the game. So I think that's a big thing to to, to deal with. Um, and then you got to bring along those other guys, as we mentioned earlier. I mean, you got to develop that rapport with Ricky Slade and Journey Brown and the two freshmen. I mean, you got to get the you got to get those uh, that quarterback reps with every single one of those guys because I think they'll they'll all play. Um, then you've got a great set of tight ends. You've got wide receivers who obviously you know need some time to develop their game acumen. Um, you know, you, KJ Hamler's played a lot of football. Jahan Dotson's played some football, but other than that, a lot of unknown uh, other than Weston Carr's Div- Division II um, experience. So there's just so many things, so many moving parts that you can get around. Of course, uh, Rasheed Walker on the left side, uh, protecting your blind side, you got to get an idea for how that guy's going to move around back there. So, um, you know, it's just so many moving parts, and it's it, it's time to move on with it. It's time to get with it. And again, not a surprise that it's Clifford at all, but I think it's a, it's a big step forward. You can finally... Uh, you know, I don't know if you can name him a captain, but you can finally, I guess, tap into his leadership as a starter, which I don't know, that kind of sounds weird, but tap into his leadership as a starter and see where he can go from that level because he has seemed to assume that role after Tommy announced that he was leaving uh, in the offseason. Now there are no strings attached to the situation. I think really that's what it is. That's uh, a he, much better way of saying it. Why didn't you say that like two minutes ago? <laughs> well, yeah, Sean Clifford has the badge, and, and he's the guy walking through the facilities as your first-team quarterback. But again, I think Will Levis, he gained something from that experience, whether it's confidence, uh, whether it's respect from his peers. Uh, and that needed to happen because, again, you got to be ready to roll with the second guy. Uh, you know, Every program feels a lot better when they have two quarterbacks they think they can go out and win with. And, and we don't know if they have one right now, but I think you feel pretty pretty good about the way you have prepared these two quarterbacks and Sean Clifford you know, recruited uh, recruited to this program uh, since what is his sophomore year committed to the program before his junior year so uh, we're talking about four or five years where Franklin Ronnie they've known they've known Sean Clifford they've gotten to know his family they've offered a scholarship to his younger brother there shouldn't be a lot of surprises the one thing that they're going to find out and Sean's going to find out and you and I are going to find out is going to be, you know, how does he react to, to dire situations? Trace McSorley forged his, you know, Penn State legend on big moments and, and coming up through those. And and there's been plenty of Penn State quarterbacks that I have not covered, I'm sure, who have maybe cost themselves a chance at, at, at being etched in stone in, in program lore because they have not stepped up when it mattered. We have a lot to learn about Sean Clifford. And I think in the first couple games, uh, if things go according to plan for Penn State against Idaho, against Buffalo, you should see plenty of Clifford early. I think you should be should see a lot of Will Levis. You'd imagine they're going to be uh, really diligent in getting him early reps. And, and then I wouldn't be surprised to see one of those true freshmen be able to work their way in. But, of course, you've got to build that lead to, to give yourself an opportunity to, to open up uh, the roster a bit, get those guys some reps. But it should be available there, Sean, and, uh, you know, not much more to add. It's just it's just another you know it's 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 something that we know about this offense. But 
we got to see them go out, out on the field and play football together. So many of these guys just uh, – and we said you put Sean Clifford in it now, uh, but they all have the recruiting pedigree. No one should feel bad about the cupboard that Ricky Ronnie is working with this year from a talent perspective. I think they've done a nice job bringing in coaches in the past offseason to, to, to amplify things. Uh, but, yeah, Sean Clifford's got the keys. We'll see what he can do with it. And, and, uh, and I think the best thing for this team now is uh, they can they can move ahead, like you said, and, uh, and and they can turn their attention to Idaho. We've got a few other position battles we'll find out. I think some of them will extend into the season. You're, you're absolutely right. And importantly for Penn State fans, you now know who the backup quarterback is. So you know <laughs> who the better of the two is and who you should be calling for. So that's it's great to have that out of the way. But no, that's that, that's probably about it. Um, just uh, like I said, not a not a big surprise by any stretch of the imagination. But to get it uh, in the tank, to get them ready for go, uh, ready to go, I think it uh, sort of sets the table for what should be a pretty pretty fun September. As we're going to learn a lot a lot about this offense and and going into Big Ten season, where we're going to learn even more about this offense. You you, you saw last uh, September, Penn State was rolling over people, uh, scored sixty some points at Illinois, and then just come back and 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 actually played teams with a pulse, and it kind of fell out of the bottom. We're going to see uh, where this uh, where this offense can go. I think they got the tools to do it. I think this offensive line is going to have a chance to come together in September. That's still my biggest uh, hesitancy on the offensive side of the ball is the offensive line. Can you protect that guy? Can you can you get some uh, movement up front? Can those two young offensive linemen, whether it's uh, Rasheed Walker and, and C.J. Thorpe or Michael Miranda or something like that, it, 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 can those guys come along and, and sort of uh, expedite their growth and, and, and really be Big Ten offensive linemen? So we'll see what happens. And it's uh, it, 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 there's there's an there's an aura of intrigue right now because I think this can be a really good team. And I was talking to Steve Wilfong and Alan True on the uh, the, the notorious B1G podcast earlier today. I thought this team could win double digit games. I still think that that's the point. I, I, or excuse me, I think that that's the the possibility. I think that uh, uh, the defense is going to get them there, but this offense can has the talent to to be one of the best in the in the conference. We will get our first live look at Sean Clifford as Penn State's starting quarterback on Saturday. 3.30 is kickoff time, and for the first time in 41 Nittany Lions matchups, it will not be number nine, Trace McSorley, leading that first team group onto the field. A new era underway. We talked about it before. A bunch of first and second year players expected to be uh, in prevalent roles as well. Uh, we're going to focus in on this game specifically on our next episode this week. Look for that on Friday. Uh, we'll dive into this matchup, uh, what our expectations are, more on a broader scale with this 2019 Penn State squad. We'll do some superlatives, who we think are going to step up, uh, team MVP kind of conversations, and uh, we'll give you our season predictions as well as game predictions for Idaho. So for Sean Fitz, I'm Tyler Donahue. Thanks as always for joining us on the Lions 24-7 podcast.